Well, hello there, and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It is Tuesday, and we are coming off of a couple great weeks of uh, special guest Dr. Demento, and back at you without Dr. Demento today, but with crazy comedy. For those of you who like Dr. Demento and those of you who like crazy comedy, we've got it for you today. This is one that uh, you may not be familiar with, although listeners to the Good Old Days of Radio Show, we have played these before, and they've gotten good reactions because they are quite good. It's Henry Morgan, and Henry Morgan is kind of a forgotten comedian. We're trying our best on this show not to make him continue to be forgotten and to bring him back into people's consciousness. He was a great satire comedian who started out on radio in the early 40s, locally in New York, and then eventually had a coast-to-coast 15-minute show. And in 1946, ABC Network gave him a full half hour, which he milked to the nth degree up until about 1949 or so. And then he kind of went to television and was a guest on a whole lot of game shows and panel shows and whatever. And that continued on into the 1970s until he finally passed away and kind of has languished in obscurity ever since. But he was a great writer of satire. He had a great cast on his show, including Arnold Stang and some others you will hear. This is the very first half-hour Henry Morgan radio show from ABC Network on September 2nd, 1946. Enjoy. The following was transcribed from an earlier network broadcast. Hmm, sounds like the American Broadcasting Company just had a new program. Good evening, anybody. Here's Morgan. ABC presents Henry Morgan in a program featuring Susie Dussault, Charlie Irving, Bernard Green and his orchestra, and a few surprises. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show, America's number one funny man, Bob Hope. Enough. This is Henry Morgan. The reason the announcer said Bob Hope was we figured we'd get, well, 12 million more listeners. If you tune out now, kids, you're just a sore loser. Now, about this show, I'll tell you the truth. The American Broadcasting Company was suddenly stuck with 30 minutes of dead air. They had all this time, see, with nothing in it. Now, where this 30 minutes came from is quite a fantastic story. Some say that the guy who comes in here in the morning and opens the station for the day arrived one morning when his watch was a half hour fast. And he started broadcasting a half hour too soon, see. And by evening... Here is this empty half hour sticking out. (laughs) Of course, the executive responsible for this was dealt with. Before they fired him, they made him turn in his ulcer. (laughs) And then uh, they flogged him with a wet Jimmy Fiddler script. (laughs) Anyway, they were stuck with his time. One vice president suggested that they get the public library to sponsor 30 minutes of silence. (laughs) They were 
going to call it Program to Read By. <laughs> well, the library turned it down because they said they weren't getting a full 30 minutes of silence because at the opening, the announcer said, Shh. <laughs> then somebody else suggested that we do a half hour of tobacco auctioneering. Split the time, he said, between... L.A. Speed Riggs of Goldsboro, North Carolina, and F.E. Boone of Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> or, <laughs> it was difficult, though. The trouble was we couldn't find a writer to write that stuff. Anyway, somebody suggested that it... Well, if you can't get a new type program for the free time, why not have one of the shows that's already on the network do the same thing twice? They asked the Lone Ranger if he'd take over the time, but he said, no, this is the night that Silver listens to the radio. <laughs> You'd be surprised, kids. Everybody has turned this half hour down. Harry Wismer, Jack Armstrong, <laughs> Alma Kitchell, until they came to me. Oh, it's not that I needed the job, but they made me such a good offer. They told me, the executives did, that if I do this show, I get, one, an autographed picture of Chiquita Banana, <laughs> two, a season pass to Grant's tomb, <laughs> and three, a rubber stocking. <laughs> I don't need. Then we had the problem of giving this program a name. It's very difficult. You think this is easy? We were going to call it the Jack Benny Show, but we found out somebody was using that. We had... Oh, pardon me. Come in. Mr. Benny? Uh, no. I said we were going to call it that. Now, this show will be... That was terribly amusing when we did it the first time. <laughs> this show will be divided into two parts, an opening and a closing, and I, of course, am in the middle. Now, everything that happens from now on will be a public service. As a public service, we present... sayings of unfamiliar men. Friends, many things were said last week that you may not have heard. Who said it or where it was said isn't important, but what is really unimportant is what was said. Presenting the quotation of the week. Mm, yeah, but... Now for the music part. We were going to have the ink spots. We were going to have the ink spots. But you know the fellow who says, Do I worry? He was too worried to come tonight. <laughs> so instead we have Ross Gorman.
This is where the commercial announcement would go if I were foolish enough to sell this valuable program. (laughs) But I won't. It's uh, monotonous, selling the same product for the same sponsor week after week. My way, I can sell anything I like. And tonight, I feel like selling cigarettes. Have you tried Morgan cigarettes? Only taste will tell. So why not try the taste test? Simply take a package of Morgan cigarettes and remove the paper from each cigarette. (laughs) Pour the tobacco into a bowl. Now, taste it. Makes you sick, doesn't it? (laughs) You see, ladies and gentlemen, you simply can't go around tasting cigarettes. You've got to smoke them. Here's what Mr. Snagwurris of Hollywood, California has to say. (laughs) Mr. Wurris, you're a regular smoker of Morgan cigarettes? (laughs) Yes. Well, now, uh, after you've smoked a pack of our brand, is your cough better or worse? British Broadcasting System may have commercial programs someday and probably will have sponsored broadcasts of baseball games. Our troops left them with some knowledge of the game. We're about to take you now to London, England for an imaginary baseball broadcast. We hope you will forgive the announcer, Mr. Morgan, if he seems a bit unfamiliar with some of the terminology. Take it away, London. This is Googie Morgan bringing you the final inning of today's contest between Frothingham and Twickenham in a broadcast sponsored by the makers of Empire Carbonated Water. Empire Carbonated Water contains double the bubbles, you know. I dare say we have proof positive of this. Double the bubbles, oh yes. It's been a lovely afternoon, the fog having lifted twice for a sum total of 17 minutes. At present, the scoreboard reads, and doubtless writes too. <laughs> Sorry. The scoreboard reads, Twickenham nothing, Frothingham zero. The next player is to be Mr. Egbert Toad. Mr. Toad is native to East Clottingshire and stands ten stone and drinks three hogsheads. <laughs> As he stands at the basin... Eh? Huh? Oh, thank you. As he stands at the plate... <laughs> his manner... His manner is quite assured. Mr. Throssell, the bowler... Eh? Huh? Oh, thank you. The pitcher... <laughs> is about to pitch... Oh, yes, that is. Mr. Toad stands perfectly still, and I'm afraid he's misjudged. (laughs) 
that would be one strike, I imagine. Uh, here, here's the following attempt by the pitcher. Mr. Toad thrusts mightily. Made quite an admirable contact. This uh, may well win the game, you know. The ball is quite high in the air. Several players are making for it. You know, this Toad fellow reminds me that some seasons ago I had the good fortune to spend a fortnight or so in East Cluttingshot. Never met the Toads, of course, though I did encounter a rather interesting old gentleman by the name of uh, Viridens or Givney or some such. Fascinating fellow. Seemed to have spent the major part of his time in India, though he'd been elsewhere. Tanganyika, I think he'd been there. Straight settlements, yes, he'd been there. I do believe he'd even been to the States back in 19... Well, somewhere around there. I dare say. Had this daughter, you see. She'd become confused with some chap from Cape Town, according to what the old chap told me. Fellow, um... Fellow enlisted, joined the Royal Fusiliers. He was injured, too. Got knocked about a bit by the premature explosion of a fusil. <laughs> never, never, never saw him again. The old gentleman, I mean. Well, let's see. That uh, toad fellow appears to have run quite around the field. Won the game, I imagine. However, there's to be another contest tomorrow. Or Friday, I think. Uh, perhaps you'd best check on it. Uh, this broadcast was sponsored by Empire Carbonated Water Company. Double the bubbles, you know. Cheerio. No doubt you've heard the expression, New York's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't live there if they gave me the place. In the year 2000, on a Wednesday, <laughs> a man named Sullivan opened a meat market in Patterson, New Jersey, just a few miles from New York City. He had meat, and word got around fast. By Thursday morning, the exodus had started. By Friday night, there wasn't a soul left in Manhattan. The city was empty. Trolley cars stood dead in their tracks. Vegetable dinners grew cold in the restaurants. <laughs> and the people? Well, once outside of New York, they realized they'd never liked it there in the first place. And they just didn't come back. Some went further west, to Newark. <laughs> Others became good humor men on the Lincoln Highway. <laughs> New York became a dead and silent city like Carthage, Pompeii, Philadelphia. <laughs> For a thousand years, nothing is heard of New York. In January of the year 3000, a rumor reaches Professor Trigg at Buzzkirk University in Cleveland. Trigg, agog with the news, rushes to one of his colleagues. Professor Morganhoff. Professor Morganhoff. Yes, Trigg? A, a report just came to my desk that a herd of animals has been sighted from the air over ancient Manhattan. Animals? 
Yes, Swinus vulgaris. Pigs, that is. Oh, yes. I thought they were extinct. Extraordinary, Trig. I will form an expedition immediately. Just between us, Trig, these food pills we live on are awful. We start at once. Five minutes later, a rocket ship sets the expedition down in ancient Manhattan. Here we are, gentlemen. New York City, just as it was when it was abandoned a thousand years ago. Look, Professor Morganhoff, those two signs. One says Broadway, the other says 42. And look at those vehicles piled on top of one another. Hmm. Must have been an intersection in the old days, yes. Uh, McGreevy? Yes, Professor? McGreevy, uh, why don't you take this road to the east and keep your eyes open? If you see anything, report to me on your wrist radio. Right, sir. Yes. Fine <laughs> boy, that McGreevy. Love that boy, McGreevy. Uh, this is odd, sir. Poles with red and green lights on them. Poles with red and green lights? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, those were traffic signals in the old days. They were used in a game played with automobiles called Beat the Light. <laughs> oh, that's a McGreevy signaling on his radio. Yes, McGreevy. I found a bottle with a note in it. What do you make of that? I'll read that again. <laughs> I don't mind if you do. What do you make of that, Morgan Hart? Much better. Well, <laughs> years ago, uh, sailors in distress put notes in bottles and tossed them overboard. Uh, what does this note say, uh, McGreevy? It says, leave two cuts milk, one pit cream. <laughs> Excellent report. Report on anything else you see. Fine boy there, McGreevy. Lovely boy. See, this looks interesting. The sign over the door says drugs and soda. Rather have a scotch and soda with <laughs> What's in this uh, little booth here with the glass door? Well, I think that was called telephone, Professor. Put that piece next to your ear. This piece here? Put it next to my ear. All right, yes. I'm still trying to get to a party. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Trig, what are you doing over there? Uh, it's a little room hung on cables. Room hung on cables? Oh, yes, that's an elevator, Trig. Back in 1946, you could ride in an elevator for nothing. By 1947, they didn't go up and down anymore, and you had to pay $8 a night to sleep in them. <laughs> That's McGreevy again. That's McGreevy. Yes, McGreevy. Uh, every place I go, I find an inscription. It's all over the walls. What's it say? It says, Kilroy was here. Fine lad, that McGreevy. I'm very fond of that McGreevy, yes. Uh, Professor, look at that huge sign over there. Huge sign. Oh, yes, it says, terrific, colossal, gigantic, stupendous. Must have had tremendous beasts in those days. Yeah, and underneath it says, Margaret O'Brien starts tomorrow. Uh, uh, Professor Morganhart. Shall we throw that joke to the lions? <laughs> oh, McGreevy, you're back, eh? Yes. yes, did you find the pigs? Uh, no, sir, but I did find this old newspaper. An old newspaper. Mm. Oh, yes, look at this headline, it says... Dodgers win series. What's the date on that? Uh, 1985. <laughs> right underneath there, it says, 
autos promised for next spring. (laughs) Well, Professor, what shall I say in our report to the university? Oh, just say... New York is a wonderful place to visit, but I wouldn't live there if they gave me the place. As a public service, we present the first in a descriptive series about people who give advice, entitled, Help. I'm walking down the street looking for a certain address. Uh, Pardon me, mister. Uh, Do you happen to know where 675 Sunrise Road is? Funny thing, I'm going there myself. Oh, swell. Where is it? I don't know. Let's ask somebody. So I lose this character and I ask somebody else. A lady, do you know where 675 Sunrise Road is? Well, it's about three blocks down the street. Turn right at the gas station and, uh... Well, hello. So I lose that character (laughs) after two or three hours. (laughs) And I ask somebody else. Uh, Pardon me, sir, but do you know where 675 Sunrise Road is? Yes. (laughs) Well, is it around here? Yes. Can you tell me how to get there? Yes. Do you mind telling me? Yes. You don't want to tell me. What are you standing here for? He asks me what I'm standing here for. Oh! Come, Rover. (laughs) Oh, I don't think it deserves applause. So next, maybe it does. Well, we'll never know. So next, I bump into a little old man who looks like he was in New York when they bought the place. He should be. He ought to know. Uh, Pardon me, sir. Can you tell me where 675 Sunrise Road is? Tell you anything you want to know. Speak up, young fella. Well, can you tell me... Know this city like the back of my hand. Was born here. How old would you say I was, young fella? Well, 85. Eh, 92. Don't look it, do I? No, you look more like 85. Um, (laughs) Tell me... Do you happen to know... Used to swim in Central Park Lake every morning until I was 83. They made me stop. Who? Family Hall. My name's Jeremiah Crisp. Jeremiah after the prophet, Crisp after my father. What do you want, young fella? Oh, it's not important. I I was looking for a house. I'm a Republican, young fella. Don't look it, do I? No, you don't look a day over 85. Since 92. Uh, Healthy living, does it? Never drink water from faucets. Why not? Runs through the ground. Got to get dirty. Logical. What kind of water do you drink? Rainwater. I'm healthy as a cow. Cow's got six lives. Oh, no. A cow doesn't have six lives. Huh? Got six is something. I know that. (laughs) You know what the cleanest animals are? The cleanest animals? No. What? Pigs. I never seen a pig expectorate. What's, uh, what's troubling you, young fellow? You look fidgety. I was just in a hurry to get somewhere, but it doesn't matter. Know what the trouble with the country's economy is, young fellow? Uh, high prices? Nope, just again. Gee, I don't know. Too many swamps. I lived in a swamp for ten years, then had to move away. They built a city on it. What city? Philadelphia. <laughs> I uh, remember what young Martin Van Buren used to say. Think clean and live in the mountains. 
Deep thinker, that boy. Yeah, must have been. Well, do you happen to know... The where... railroad's done it. They done what? Railroad's filled the air with smoke. We're all breathing railroad air, not American air. How old would you say I was? Oh, about 92? <laughs> 85! <laughs> so long, young feller. And remember, keep your feet on the ground and your nose to the grindstone and your eye on the politicians. Jeremiah Crisp said it. Well, I'm glad to met you. Thank you. The shadows of dust are slowly lengthening over the great metropolis. The lights of the city are twinkling on one by one. It's very picturesque. And I'm still looking for 675 Sunrise Road. I see a charming-looking couple sitting close together on a park bench. Excuse me, folks. Can you tell me where 675 Sunrise Road is? Of course. It's two blocks down and turn to the right. You mean to the left, darling. Oh, no, dear. I'm sure it's to the right. Uh, Never mind. I'll find it myself. You see, dear, you're confusing the man. I'm confusing him. Now, if you hadn't said anything, darling... I I was just telling you... Why do you talk about something you know nothing about? Well, you're the one who doesn't know. If you don't know, why do you... Who said I don't know? I used to work right next door. You work? You haven't worked in ten years. If you don't mind... You stay right here! Look, you go down two blocks. You sot! I suppose you were in such a blind stupor you forgot last Saturday night. You were so drunk you went around kissing every woman in the room. Ha, ha, ha. Except you didn't kiss me. I wasn't that drunk. <laughs> well, thanks for trying, folks. I'll manage I you. hate you. I hated you the day I married then you. Then why did you marry me? Because you were a pest. You were born a pest and you'll die a pest. Gee, it's swell of you folks to try to help out. Uh, I'll take a cab. Wait a minute. I'll go with you. You're going my way? Going your way. I'm going to live with you. <laughs> so finally, I gave up and hailed a cab. A uh, taxi... 675 Sunrise Road, please. Okay, 675 Sunrise Road. Yes. How do you get there? (laughs) Well, I don't know what radio's coming to, but I know where it's been. People are asking more questions today than ever before. We have to stretch a little. I think we're going to be a little short. People are asking more questions today than ever before. And they're getting fewer answers. Now, in an effort to alleviate this serious shortage of answers, we you bring you... a lot of time with this. Yes. Uh, in an effort to alleviate this serious shortage of answers, it's going to get pretty dull. Two L's and alleviate? Uh, yes, and one B. The eyes. Uh, we bring you the fellow who knows everything. Everything, that is. Radio's famous question man. Now, if you have a question you'd like answered, I'll repeat that. If you have a question you would like answered, send it in. Now, the question man. Good evening. Our first question, sir, comes from Mrs. R.K. of Newark, who asks, are hockey pucks edible? <laughs> yes. Hockey pucks are edible and are pronounced delicious by epicures. When a hockey puck is boiled with greens, the greens become soggy and are pronounced soggy by epicures. (laughs) Mr. M.B. of Scranton asks, who played second base for the Baltimore Orioles in 1902? This position was held down by the first baseman. (laughs) Mr. M.B. of Scranton asks... Well, in that case, who played first base? (laughs) 
The Mill on the Floss was written by George Eliot. <laughs> our, our next question. George Eliot asks... <laughs> what is meant by the term postman's holiday, and how did the expression originate? The term postman's holiday refers to a holiday taken by a postman. <laughs> it is not known how the expression originated. <laughs> Mr. Casey of Topeka writes, I often hear people say, well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Is this true? Yes. Send for my free booklet, 89 Ways to Skin a Cat. <laughs> Mrs. R.D. of Atlanta wants to know, do some foods contain more calories than others? No. Some foods contain less calories than others. <laughs> Mr. B.P. of Fresno says... My friends all submit questions to the question man. I am made sport of because I cannot think of any questions. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Send for my free booklet, Questions Suitable for Submitting to the Question Man. If you have a question, send it to the question man. Are we still short, Charlie, or can we... Uh, on the nose, I keep going. If you have a question, send it to the question man. Enclose $5 to cover the cost of living. And be sure to tune in next week because... will be on the same corner in front of the cigar store next Wednesday at the same time. This program was transcribed from an earlier network broadcast. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Okay, and you can see why Henry Morgan was unable to keep a sponsor. Um, that whole cigarette thing at the beginning. He had uh, a very good or very bad habit, depending on how you want to look at it, of making fun of his sponsors. Now, there was no sponsor on this show, so it gave him the opportunity to rip cigarette ads up and down. One point was sponsored by Schick Razors. Um, Schick had come out with a new razor, and their slogan was push, pull, click, click. And on his broadcast, when he was supposed to do that spot, instead of saying push, pull, click, click, he said push, pull, nick, nick. And of course, the Schick company wasn't too happy about that. Um, the little skit at the end, The Question Man, that's a satire of another radio show that was on for a while at roughly the same time called The Answer Man. And uh, he just makes fun of it by calling it the question man. So anyway, good radio satire from Henry Morgan, September 2nd, 1946. And this is John Tefteller and the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Check out our Facebook page. Check out the website. Goodolddaysofradio.com is the website. And Good Old Days of Radio Show is the Facebook page. And you can ask questions and um, suggest programming if you wish. We'll try to listen to it. <laughs> And um, that will that will do it. Just tell all your friends, get uh, more listeners. This show's growing all the time, and we like that. So 
Uh, we always need more people to tune in and enjoy these great programs. So until next week, uh, actually on Thursday, we have our uh, suspense series that we're doing with special guest Dr. Joe Webb. And then next Tuesday, we'll be, we will be back here with more comedy, drama, or variety. We shall see. Until then, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye. <laughs>